Bibles with us, if you will, to the book of St. John, the book of St. John, chapter 6. Now, as most of you know, that uh, back on July the 24th, we began a series on the six signs of John, St. John, the six signs. Now, many other other writers call them miracles, and I think maybe, 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 I don't know, one time in the book of John, they're called miracles, but most of the time, they're called signs. And we certainly looked at the water into wine miracle or sign, healing of the official uh, son. The official son. Also, we looked at healing the paralytic that had been sick and uh, impotent for uh, 38 years. And then last week, we looked at feeding the 5,000. That was 5,000 men, so there were probably anywhere from ten to 15,000 people that Jesus took five barley loaves, the Bible says, and two fish, and fed all those people. Today, we would like to look at Jesus walking on the water. Now, can I say something that's very important? You know, we don't come and, and sing and preach and teach and we don't serve God and just just to hear good things, just to feel good, and just to uh, enjoy church. And just, we don't read the Bible just for that, or have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and all of these things just to say we went to church or we feel good. These principles are for life. One of the things that amazes me is the, is, is the fact that so many, if we're not careful that we hear these principles taught all of our life, and then when trouble comes or difficulties, as I have here, when they come, we don't rely on those. Now, I think we, we cut ourselves short when we don't. They're important. This is something for life. It's more than just coming, enjoying the sermon, enjoying the Word of God, and just reading the Word of God. But when we get out there, and what's amazing to me it's when people go through things, the things that they say. And then they have the gall to put it on Facebook. I mean, I, there's just some things I wouldn't put on Facebook. I mean, we, it's important that we live as believers in the good times and in the bad times. And God wants us to be a light. And that's in the good times and in the bad times. Sure, there are bad times. We all go through those. And we all want to run up, run up the white flag of surrender uh, and, and say, I just give up. But we're, we're not going to do that. We abide by these principles. It is amazing to me, the principles and the word of God that was taught to me when I was just a young man or, or you know, way back when I was 9 and 10 and uh, 15 and, and 18 years old, how those principles come alive today when I go through times. And most of you know we went through cancer and how it was, uh, it, it, it was such a struggle. Well, did I struggle? Yes. Was I afraid? Yes. I was. Maybe you can go through those times and not... not be afraid, but I was afraid, but I never one time stopped trusting God. And I grasped a hold of those principles.
principles, what I'm teaching today, these principles that are being taught today, we can apply these great truths to our lives today. It's not just a good story about Jesus walking on the water and walk out the door and do like this and say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and go get our, our meal and go on down the road and watch our games on television and go to work. These principles, these truths are alive. They're active in us. Grasp them. Understand them. That's the reason, one of the reasons I give out a... a uh, uh, order of service or, or uh, for the uh, sermon. I want you to have the outline. I want you to look at it. But I want you to do more than that. I want you to take it home and look at it during the week. Study it. It's just a great, because I can't. It's impossible for me to bring out all these truths. I, uh, so let's read, if you will, begin reading. Now understand that this was uh, also recorded in Matthew chapter 14 and also Mark chapter 6. Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter, and we'll refer to some of the things in Matthew. But notice, if you will, beginning uh, with the uh, 15th verse of the 6th chapter of the book of St. John. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, Matthew records that this is when he finished feeding the 5,000, that Jesus constrained one of the words. He insisted is one word. He invited his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side, talk, speaking of the, of, of the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side. The Sea of Galilee was seven feet wide and 14 miles long. And he wanted them to go to the other side and while he sent the multitude away. He was not about to let them, in any stretch of the imagination, make him king. It wasn't time for Jesus to be king. In fact, he didn't come to be king of Israel. He came to be king of the kingdom of God. That's where he came. That's why he came. So he, he sent them away, and he went to a mountain to pray alone. Uh, I got a feeling if Jesus had to or needed to go to pray alone, I believe that you and I need to do the same thing. This is how he received his strength. This is how he stayed in tune with the Father. And, and over and over again, we find that Jesus is going up into the mountain or going to a secret place or to a private place to pray. And we notice that it says here, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Father, Father, add your blessings to the reading of this word. 
quicken it to our minds. Speak it to our hearts. We know that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It removes those things in our lives that should be removed. It puts in our lives those things that we need so desperately. Allow this word, your word, that we cherish and we know that it's so precious. Let it live in us today in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. After notice, by the way, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. They'll make sure, I guess, it's Steve here. Okay, you, thank you, darling. You're so sweet. Uh, if you do not have an outline, raise your hand. I'd like for you to have one. They will be made available to you. Look at the introduction. Please read with me the introduction. I spent a long time trying to get that together. And make me at least look down make like you're reading it. Just make me feel good. Here we go. After Jesus fed the 5,000, the mob wanted to take him by force and make him king. Urgently, Jesus forced the disciples to leave, and he dispersed the militant mob. He went up to a mountain to pray. About three miles out on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples struggled because of a what? Terrible storm. Then and now, Christ discloses himself to us in our difficulty. We have here a beautiful picture of the church today. Christ is on the mountain praying while the disciples are battling the storm. Jesus, for us today, is in heaven interceding for us while we fight the storms of sin on earth. Isn't that a great, beautiful picture? That's where he's at. The Bible says he's seating at the right hand of the Father. I was thinking about that this week. You know, I don't believe that Jesus is seating the whole time. I think he's active. I do. But I believe there are times that he sits down and he sits down at times next to his Father. And there he's thinking of us. He loves us. And he prays for us. And uh, so he is uh, believing for us today. Now, again, let me reinstate. Spending time with God in prayer nurtures a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, the reason that we don't have that ongoing, exciting, uh, alive relationship with Jesus Christ is because we don't spend time in prayer. I've said it over and over for the last several weeks how important Friday night prayer is to me. We come at 7 o'clock and we pray. Now, we don't, I don't get on my knees and just spend that whole hour talking. We do a lot of things. We turn the, we, first of all, we have an open prayer and then we turn down the lights and turn on the music and, and we walk around and we, we sit and just, just look. We just think. But there's an atmosphere here that is very, very healthy. And as we sit and think, we think of God and those, mu- those songs uh, helps us to think of him. And then we get on our knees and we pray here, we pray there, we're praying at the back. We walk around all the way back of the baptistry. We, we just walk and pray. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Consistently, I'll go and stand in front of the baptismal pool and I'll pray there for a good while because I want to see people saved and baptized in water. And God's hearing my prayer. It may not happen tomorrow, next week, but it's going to happen. We're going to start keeping water in that, in that baptismal pool so we can duck them under. 
in Jesus' name. I want to see people saved where they, to the extent that they want to come to church, that they want to be baptized in water, that they want to go through the Genesis class, that they want to, they, that they want to serve God and live for Him and be a witness for Him, pay their tithe and give to God and be excited about serving Jesus. There's something about serving Jesus that it's very, very exciting. Amen? Our difficulty provides Christ's opportunity. I want you to think of opportunity as we go through this because the number two is Christ's divinity discloses. It discloses in our uh, difficulty, but our, our difficulty provides our opportunity. Okay, it provides Christ. An opportunity. He was praying on the mountaintop, but he knew all the time, all the time, exactly where those men were. He knew all the time the storm that had fallen, as occasionally it does on the Sea of Galilee that sits below, way below sea level, and those mountains rise up on the sides of it, and it creates that swirl, that wind. And it's, it's powerful wind and the rain and the lightning and the thunder. And these 12 disciples were struggling with this storm, trying their best. Now, you say, why didn't they turn around and go back? They'd already gone about four miles. I mean, it was something how that they were struggling and could not make headway. And they were afraid. And they were probably thinking... You know, they had a storm before, but then it was in the daytime and Jesus was in the boat. Now it's night and he ain't nowhere to be found. It's a difference. And so they were wondering, aren't you coming? You ever struggle? You ever pray that you be healed and it seems like nothing happens? And you say, my God, where are you? Aren't you going to heal me? And you go day after day after week after week and you say, God, where are you at? Well, Jesus knew where they were. Listen, maybe there are times you can't see him, but there's never a time he can't see you. He always knows where you are. I love that. He always knows. And he, and the Bible says that he came unto them the fourth watch of the night. Now, while he waited, uh, I, I, I put several things here. Uh, that I believe that he waited because that he wanted to test them. And God, he'll test us often. Am I going to be true to God in the bad times just like I am true to him in the good times? God wants to know that. Am I just going to obey, or children just going to obey their parents when their parents are around, or do they respect their parents, love their parents enough? I'm going to be obedient when they're not around. And that's what, he desires to know. Their very obedience to God placed them in difficulty. Now, now, Jonah was in a storm, but it was because of his disobedience. The disciples are in a storm directly because they were obedient. And we think, oh, I've served God. I've lived for the Lord. I've paid my tithes. I've been going to church and this come upon me. Let me say something that's very very important. Faithfulness brings no immunity from difficulty. 
Learn that. Care how faithful you are. You say, well, I'm immune for it. I've been listening to those preachers on television, and they tell me if I serve God, I mean, I'm going to have a this one and that one, and I'm not going to get sick. And if I do get sick, I, you know, listen, that's not scriptural. You're going to face trials. And these men, listen, divine delays and difficulty are always purposeful. They're always, look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. I hope I, yeah, here it is. And this is the Amplified. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's between three o'clock and six o'clock. I don't know what time they got on that boat, but they'd been out there a long time. They were beginning to say, Lord, are you coming? Are you going to help us or are we going to drown? Jesus came to them walking on the sea. He waited until they understood the full force of the storm and the futility of their unaided effort. But he did intervene. He waited. When we've tried everything else, we've tried the doctor, we've tried the bank, we've tried this, we've tried that, we've tried the other. God wants us to come to him first. I'm saying that. God wants us to trust him. If in difficulty we lose sight of him, but as I said, he never loses sight of us. Look at Roman numeral number two. Christ's divinity discloses itself in our difficulty. You just wait. You just wait. I've been serving God a long time, but I must confess to you this morning, I grew more when I went through my sickness than I've ever grown. I didn't like it. I don't ever want to have to go through it again. But let me tell you, the difficult times, it has a way of molding you and making you. It challenges you, but you come out as pure gold. That's what God wants. You come out as pure gold. Christ walking on the waters of difficulty reveals his divinity. I love Job. Listen to this one. Job 9 and 8 says, He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Are you on a stormy sea today and the waves are almost carrying your boat under? He treads on those waves. And when those waves get high, you trust God. You see, but they're getting higher and higher. He's getting higher and higher too. You trust God. He treads on the waves of the sea, the troubled sea of your and my life. Christ reveals himself to us in difficulty. You know, one of the things about this that was interesting to me, and John doesn't record it, but Matthew and, and I think Mark also records it, is that Jesus came unto them walking on the sea. And the Bible says, one of them says that he was going to go by them. Well, first of all, they thought it was a ghost. I mean, you know, people don't usually walk on the sea. You look out there and there's a form. The waves are blowing. The, the sheets of, of rain is falling and uh, the waves are rolling and the wind's blowing. And, and you can't tell. And they thought he was a ghost. Now, maybe you, maybe you haven't recognized Jesus in the storm. He's come. But you say, no, I don't believe that's him. It might be. It might be. God uses different 
things when we're going through difficulty. Maybe some saint coming and talking to you, putting his or her arms around you, loving you. Maybe that's God directing that person to come. The guy on the, on the, on the roof in the storm and, and, and the house flooded and, and, and everything flooded and here comes a boat by and he was so spiritual and the guy stopped the boat and said, listen, come on, get down and get in. No, I'm waiting for God to... For God to come and help me. And you know, on and on and on. Listen, we better recognize God when he comes. He's coming. There's no question about it. He's going to come. He's going to intervene. But I want to recognize him. I want to see him not as a ghost, not as some phantom, but I want to see him as Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. Be not afraid. It is I. Isn't that great words? When the baby's burning up with a fever, when the cupboard is bare, when the doctors are given some sad news, when there's no money, it's good to hear Jesus said, hey, I'm with you. Nothing like it. I am, it gives him a time, my friend, to disclose his Divinity. The grace of God helps us to recognize the Lord. It was simply grace. They saw him as a ghost. He was going to go by. I think again to test them. They cried out. They were not only were they afraid of drowning, not only were they afraid of the waves and the wind and the storm. Here it's at something else added to the play. I'm afraid of that thing out there, but Jesus said it is I. I want you to hear him today. That's not just for church. Oh, I heard his voice in church. Hear it on Monday morning when things aren't going well. Hear it when somebody pulls into you and you want to go into a rage. Hear it when trouble hits and the doctor don't know what to do. Hear his voice say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He will intervene. You know the great thing about, about this whole story is, is number four on number two. The disciples recognized Jesus as a son of God. Matthew 14 and 33. Though, then those who were in the boat came and they worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. There is nothing, nothing that comes our way that it's not but to point us to Jesus Christ, the son of a living God. You know, when he was in the boat and they were in the storm and he calmed the sea, they said, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? But here, they didn't say what manner of man is this. They didn't call him man. They called him the son of God. I'll tell you, you get desperate. Your eyes will turn to God. You'll start focusing on him. Let me hurry. Our difficulty provides our opportunity. Our difficulties provides our opportunities. I, I can't stress this one enough because every one of us, every one of us, not one, young, old, middle-aged, no matter, all of God's people have opportunities. I don't know that we recognize it, and I'm not saying I recognize it all the time. But we have opportunities. 
And I want to know that my mind, that my spirit, that my attitude, that my motive, I want to know it's right. A 26-year-old young lady was checking me out this week. Went for a physical and I was talking to her about DMIP. I always try to, if I can, and, and time permits, and I'm not, I don't abuse anyone's time, but time did permit, and we had time. What opened it up is that she's working, and she goes to Central. And she said it's so hard. If you've ever, if you've ever been in college and undergrad or grad, where whatever, and you've worked a job, it is, it is taxing. Some of you have done that, and you know how taxing that is. And uh, she was telling me about it, and she looked like she was about to cry. And uh, I said, you know, you're, uh, uh, what? Thank you, Shiv. Your chancellor just died. She said, yes. I said, she was a sweet lady. I didn't know her, she said. I didn't know her. I said, well, we had the privilege. There was about 12 of us, maybe 15 of us, a large number this time. As most of you know, in our Durham Ministers in Prayer, we go every uh, third th- Tuesday walking, and we go to pray with chancellors. We go to pray with the mayor. We pray with every mayor since way, way, way back for 20 years, uh, police chiefs and whatever. And I, I told her we went to visit her chancellor. At that time, she did not, or they did not know she had cancer. Beautiful lady. I'm not too sure in that time that there was a dry eye in that room. She had a big, big, big room and a large table that all of us, maybe 15, could sit at the table. And she just wept. And I said, we had prayer for her, and the presence of the Lord was in that room. I was talking to her just like that. And I said, we pray with with people. And her face went from almost crying because of sadness to almost crying. And she just smiled real big. And she said, you know what? You have made me feel so good today. She said, thank you for sharing that. And I told her we would be praying for and told her about the presence of God. I always try to put the name of Jesus in it if I can not just talk about God because there are a lot of gods. I believe that every one of us have an opportunity at times to tell about Jesus Christ, whether it's at school. And, you know, you don't want to embark on people's time and, and bother them. You know, a waitress comes out with four plates in her hand and you grab her and start witnessing, witnessing to her about Jesus. That, that, that's not the time to witness about Jesus. I've seen it done. But at the right time, whether it's school or work or co-worker or whatever, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe, I, I believe, let me say it this way. I believe with all of my heart, every believer sitting in this place today, that this coming week, God is going to open a door for you to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Be sensitive to it. Be mindful of it. But this, this incident, this This storm, you wouldn't think it would do it. It gave opportunity to do something with God. Let me read it again. 
Our difficulty provides our opportunity. If we had not gone through those difficult times, we had not gone through those difficult times, we may not have had the opportunity to tell a lost soul that was going to hell about Jesus Christ. God, help us. Help us to take advantage of it. They saw Jesus walking on the water and and then they believed it was him. And so Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Now, a lot of people put Peter down because he sank. But let me tell you, he was the only one in that boat that walked on the water. He was the only one in that boat that walked on the water. He took advantage of that opportunity. Our difficulty provides our opportunity. Christ calls us to share his dominion over difficulty. Let's look at 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. Let me read this again. Now, now stay with me. Don't, don't let, let your, your mind, and I'll, I'll bring it to a close pretty soon. Christ calls us to share his dominion over difficulty. He calls us to share dominion over difficulty. Now, listen to me. When you became a Christian, especially a spirit-filled Christian, God called you to take dominion over the devil. He said, I give unto you power to cast out what? Devils, demons. You don't hear much about this anymore. Let me tell you something. The devil, demons work overtime today. And they're there. Now, I'm not trying to say be afraid because I don't think a saint of God should be afraid of the devil. You say, well, I'm afraid it's going to come. Let me tell you something. If the devil ever came in you, if you're a believer and you've had the blood of Jesus applied to your heart, he can't do that because he can't cross the bloodline. If he, if he did, he'd be a sanctified devil. He ain't never going to do that. But God Almighty calls every believer, not just the pastor, not just some TV preacher, not just some evangelist that's putting up a tent or whatever. He calls all of us to be part of his ministry, to have dominion over not only the devil, but sin. You read Romans 8. Powerful. God has released us from the power of sin. And we struggled with it. And we've, God's already delivered us from it. Let's take advantage of it. Let's, let's, let, let, let's know that this is an opportunity for us to do something for God. It was an opportunity for Peter to walk on the water. What Christ commands, he enables He's not going to ask you to do something that his word and his Holy Spirit is not going to give you power and the know-how and the what for to do it. It's going to happen. Can you imagine if the church body would rise up and take advantage of the opportunities that it has today? What in the world could be done in this nation? ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, none of these, Fox, none of these would have power to have the influence that they do 
if the church did what it should do. I believe that. I think that is important. We have the power. The Bible says you heal the sick. What? I can't lay my hands on someone. Listen, I'm not talking about pridefully. I'm not talking about arrogantly. I'm not talking about with the wrong motivation and attitude. I'm talking about under the authority, direction of the Holy Spirit. He says for me to go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We get our eyes on what's not being done. Well, this one won't heal and that one won't heal and I won't heal at this time. And listen, get your eyes off of those things. Let God deal with it. You know what? God's more concerned with the message behind the miracle than he is the miracle itself. And if he is getting praise, if he is getting honor, if we are victorious no matter where he does the work like we want him to or not, that's fine. That's fine. God wants us to share in those things. I haven't got you. I haven't got you this morning to where Peter's saying, I ain't going to get you there. I'm not going to get you there. Okay, you English students, teachers. I haven't got you to where Peter's saying, I want to get you there next Sunday. You will not want to miss this. You can't walk on the water until you get out of the boat. I wish I'd come up with that title, but John Ortenberg came up with it a long time ago. Listen, you've got to get out of the And some of us are still in the boat. On Wednesday night, you've got to be willing to get out of the boat. On Sunday morning, you've got to be willing to get out of the boat. On Monday morning, even when the storm's going, you've got to be willing You know what? That storm never ceased until Jesus and Peter got back in the boat. Good story. You know what? They're going to come and sing for us and lead us in? Victory in Jesus. I've asked Brother Matt and the team if they would sing for us Victory in Jesus. And Sister Judy, you probably could play on this one. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Listen to me while they're getting prepared to sing. Okay? Listen to me. I, I, I want to challenge you to the point that you will be obedient to God, that you let these truths, these principles that I've shared and that the Word of God shares and John share, let them become a living reality in your life. Look at the bottom of your page. If you've already folded it up and put it in your Bible, that's okay. Take it back out. I want you to look at the bottom of your page. Lifeway. Lifeway. Outline this this way. It is good. We may dispel disillusionment. They were disillusioned because they thought Jesus was a ghost. And the devil will make you think all kind of things. He'll make you see things different than what they really are. It was Jesus and they saw him as a ghost. Look at number two. Defeat distractions. The waves. 
the wind, the storm. When you step out to obey God, the devil's going to sit right on your shoulder and tell you you're foolish. He's going to sit right on your shoulder and say, you can't do that. He's going to sit on your shoulder and say, that's impossible. Defeat distractions. There may be someone else in your life. I don't know, maybe a mate. Someone say, you can't do that. Defeat distractions. And number three, destroy doubt. Peter struggled with it. We'll deal with it more next week. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this morning. Your grace, your instructions. Lord, if I don't feel one thing, and I like to feel something, I like to sense your presence. I love to be able, oh God, for you to get a hold of my heart and squeeze it so until water runs out my ear, my, my eyes. I like to do that, Lord. I like for you to help me, dear God, to, to sit your presence. But Lord, if I don't feel one thing, I purpose in my heart, as I decided 54 years ago to marry Carol, and she did me. Lord, has it been easy? There have been times it's been very, very, very hard. But we didn't stop. We knew the vows that we made must be kept. And you gave grace beyond ourselves. And Lord, I, I know this morning that you're taking this sermon, these precious words, and causing them to live in us, live in every individual. And for that mom, that dad, that young person that's been struggling, struggling with difficulty, struggling with defeat, may they rise up, dear God, and be part of of your call your call do something about the opportunities that come their way speak to our hearts this morning and may we determine here and now that we're going to live a victorious life